Amen. Amen. Another little thing about me, um, as I start, I love movies. Well, I did when I was younger. I was a movie fanatic. I was the kid that when we, some of you may not relate to this, but we used to have, if you're younger, we used to have things called video stores and you would go to Blockbuster. We were video easy people. Any video easy people? Let's be friends. Uh, So we would go to the Blockbuster store or Video Easy on a Saturday night, and we'd be like, let's get a movie, and you paid $8. It was quite expensive, but it was a treat, and everyone got in the car, and it was really exciting. And I was that girl that had seen everything, you know? When I went with my friends, they'd be like, ooh, what about this one? I'd be like, seen it three times. And they'd be like, oh, okay, what about this one? I'm like, seen it. And they're like, oh, you've seen everything. The thing about me, though, is if I see a movie I like, I'll watch it a hundred times. And there was one movie that we liked so much we bought it on DVD. And it was a movie called Robots. Has anyone seen the movie Robots? Yeah. Okay, so there's a movie called Robots. And it's about this blue robot. His name is Rodney Copperbottom. Okay, and Rodney loved to invent things. That was his passion. And Rodney's father was a robotic dishwasher. And one day, Rodney's father comes home from work, and the front of his stomach opens up, and the dishes are in there, and he's like, ugh. And Rodney's like, man, Dad is struggling. Like, he's literally falling to pieces. He's like, I've got to help him out. So Rodney's brain starts going, and he creates this little dishwashing helper. Now I kind of wish it was a true story, you know, so we could all have one of those. Um, I call that Kyle. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Anyway, it's too far. And he creates this helper, and it's a success. Like, it's so good at helping out his dad that he's like, I have to show this to Mr. Big Weld. And Mr. Big Weld is this giant robot that owns a company that invests into future inventors. And he's like, I'm going to show Mr. Big Weld. And what I love about Mr. Big Weld was he was an inspiration kind of person. And Rodney loved a saying that Mr. Big Weld was known for. And it was this, see a need? fill a need. And so today, the title of my message is simply that, see a need, fill a need. Because when I think about people who walked this earth, there is no one that saw needs and filled needs quite like Jesus did. Because when you think about his life, he just would see something and be like, I think I can, I think I can help out here. In fact, he started off by doing it at a wedding, and they ran out of wine, and his mom's like, Jesus, they've run out of wine. This is kind of embarrassing. He's like, don't worry, I got this. See these pots? Put some water. And she's like, great, we need wine. He's like, done. And he filled the need. And automatically, where there was a need, it was filled by Jesus. And then he's like, I think I can expand in the food business. And so he, he talks to 5,000 plus people, and he's like, you know what? These guys are hungry. And the disciples are like, oh, let them just feed, sort themselves out. And Jesus is like, no, we're here. I see a need. There's hungry people. So he gets the five loaves of bread, the two fish. He blesses them. Bam, everyone is fed. See a need, fill a need. And Jesus is like, you know what? I'm not going to stop at food. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do people. He's like, see someone who's blind. All of a sudden, he's like, I'm going to pray. And healing came. The blind All of a sudden could see, the deaf could hear, the lame could walk. Wherever Jesus went, if he saw a need, he would fill a need. That was just part of his character. And my hope today is that as followers of Christ, that we become people that see needs and we fill them. That we can't just walk by things, that we go, man, I feel like I am meant to be the hands and the feet of God. And so I see this need, and I'm going to be the solution to this 
problem. And I'm going to uh, kind of talk about that and break down a story in the Bible. And I love this story. It's the story of the good Samaritan. Who's got their Bible here this morning? Oh, yeah. If you've got your Bible, you can open it to Luke 10, 25 to 37. If you've got your phone, you can type it into Google or your Bible app, whatever suits you best. We're just going to read this scripture, and I'm just going to break it down, and i got some takeaways from it. Here it goes. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is it written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, and now he starts to tell a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. We can establish this as a Jewish man. And when he was attacked by robbers, sorry, and then he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Unfortunate day for this man. But wait, it says, a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite. Levites were a priesthood, a holy nation. When he came to the place and he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. The first thing I take out of the story is simply this. We need to stop letting opportunities pass us by. And opportunities, I'm not talking about when we're driving down the road, we see a half-dead man, because that's probably not going to happen. But opportunities may look a little bit different for all of us. Like opportunities could look like at your workplace, when everybody else is talking bad about someone. You have an opportunity to inject hope, to encourage, to put faith into a situation. So maybe when everybody's talking down, you're the one that says, actually, I think they're a pretty cool person. Maybe actually publicly, I'm going to encourage them in front of everyone. Maybe your opportunity is at home. You know, when the kids keep shutting themselves off in the room or they come home and they seem down and things don't seem quite right. And we could so easily pass the opportunity by and just be like, oh, it's a bad day. It's just a phase. Or we could say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to sit down. I'm just going to listen. And I'm just going to let them know I'm here for them and that I care. Maybe the opportunity is in your marriage. Maybe when your spouse is a little bit short, not in height, because you can't change that, that you need to accept. But maybe with the attitude, they're just like, oh, I don't know what's wrong with them lately. And, and may, they actually haven't been that helpful. And we could quite easily just let it pass us by because maybe at the time we don't feel like it. But maybe, just maybe, we could use that opportunity to build them up when they feel like nobody else will, to actually inject a bit of love into their life. Maybe the opportunities even here today at church when we walk out of those doors and we see someone standing alone that nobody else is talking to. Maybe the opportunity is to make them feel not so alone. Maybe we have an opportunity to make somebody feel seen and heard and cared about. Because I feel so often we can 
look at situations and go, somebody will help them. Somebody will do it. But do you know what? Somebody sometimes is us. And sometimes there's a reason that we notice these things and that our eyes are the ones that have seen the opportunity and the problem and God wants us to be the solution and not just pass by and be like, somebody else will get it. In this story, we don't really want to be the priest or the Levite. We don't want to let another opportunity pass us by. That's number one. Then it goes on to say this, but a Samaritan which I'll just say right now, Samaritans and Jews were enemies. They did not get along. They were not friends with each other. A Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. My second takeout is this, be compassionate. It is so important that as followers of Christ, we are compassionate people. Why? Because Jesus was compassionate, and we need to follow in his example. And, and, and I know that can be like, oh, yeah, be compassionate, whatever. I'm not always the most compassionate person. When I was youth pastor, well, I still am youth pastor. When I started off, I was kind of like, if someone started crying, I was the pat on the back, like, oh, you'll be all right. And I've learned that there is power in just going, I don't understand this, but I'm just going to be compassionate. I'm just going to feel with you in this moment. There is power in being compassionate. In fact, I felt real compassion a few weeks ago, very strongly. I was driving to my connect group at Pastor Natalie's house. We have a girls connect group. By the way, connect groups are so good, guys. If you are not in one, get in one, get connected, make friends. True story about me. Natalie won't know this. I love Connect Groups so much because obviously I'm a pastor here at Connect Church. So, you know, um, everything, like Sunday church, I'm always like, I'm, I'm on. Where's Connect Group? I'm like, I'm just going to relax with some girls. And it wasn't on one night and it got canceled and I cried. <laughs> no joke. I was like, oh, no, I need my girl time. So that's a plug for Connect Groups. Moving on. I was driving on my way to Connect Group and it was pouring buckets. Like, God was up in heaven just emptying buckets on why can I? And I was like, oh, this weather is awful. I'm not a rain person. I'm a sun person. And I crossed the Waikanae railway tracks, and I see ahead of me a woman. And she has her raincoat on. She's pulling it in front of her. And in her hand, she's got a big suitcase, and she's pulling it along, trying to stay out of the rain. And straight away, my heart went out to her. I was like, oh, my goodness. I was like, she was not prepared for this. I was like, that totally sucks. And I was like, I know what I have to do. I have to go pick this lady up. I have to offer her a ride. And I felt it so strong that God was asking me to do this. And so as I got closer to this lady, I drove straight past her. And I was like, oh my goodness, I can't do it. And I freaked out. And all of a sudden I got a little bit hot and I got a little bit sweaty. And I was like, I really, I know I have to do this. And so coming up, was a turn that would go left and it would loop back around so I could have another opportunity or turn right to my connect group. And I just knew in my heart, I have seen this lady and I feel it so strongly that I need to stop and offer her a ride. So I know that I have to turn left. And so as I came up to that left turn, yes, you guessed it, I turned right and I went to my connect group. And, and you know what happened to that lady? Neither do I. No idea. Because I, I, I did 
I forgot to do, sorry, something that was super important from just seeing a need and, and feeling compassion is I forgot to do something about it. You see, the scripture carries on to say this. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. The next takeout, number three, is simply this. The impact is in the action. The impact is in the action. How often do we catch ourselves saying things like, oh, yeah, man, I saw them. They were, they were crying. They looked a mess. It's the end of the story. Or, you know, oh, man, yeah, I drove past. I saw they were broken down on the side of the road. And that's the end of the story. Or, oh, yeah, I was in the supermarket, and there was this lady, and her card declined, and it was so awkward. I could tell that she felt uncomfortable. And then the story ends there. And we see things, and we really feel for people. But why, why don't we carry on to say, and then I pulled over, and I offered some help, and I, I decided I would offer to pay for the groceries, and I decided to go up and check if everything was okay. Because we can feel things, and we can say things. And we can see things, but if we do nothing, nothing is the only thing that happens. A feeling without any action backing it up is useless. The impact happens, the change occurs, the difference is made only when there is action behind what we see and what we feel. Faith without deeds is dead. That's what the Bible says. We can have faith, we can believe, we can feel, but if we do nothing, it's dead. There's no life. There's no story. See a need, feel compassion, and then know that the impact is in the action. The scripture goes on to say this, then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. I want to tell you, that the next takeout is you already have what you need. You already have what you need. It could have been so easy for this man, this Samaritan man, to say, oh, he is half dead. He, he doesn't need me. He needs a doctor. I, I'm not qualified to take care of him. Or, oh, I don't think I have enough Band-Aids for him. Or, oh, he's a Jew. <laughs> we don't really get along. He posts some stuff on Facebook I don't agree with. So I don't think I want to help him out. Or, oh, I don't know if I want to financially invest into that. I could, but I don't know if I want to. Can I tell you that when God presents an opportunity for us to fill a need, God also gives us everything that we need in that moment to fill it. God's not like, I'm calling you to this, and you, you're going to be unprepared, and you're going to not have the right tools to go forward with it, and it's going to be a disaster. That's not how God works. When he presents an opportunity, he already gives you everything you need. See a need, fill a need. And then it goes on to say this, look after him, said the man, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Number five, go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. It's pretty easy to do the bare minimum in things. You know, to... Just say, I, I got a job done, but there were some other things I could have done, right? Little example, as kids, when we were asked to do the dishes, we had our own way of doing the dishes. I don't know about you guys, but whenever mum does the dishes, the kitchen actually looked clean afterwards somehow. 
And when we were asked to do the dishes, sometimes we'd be like, yeah, yeah, I've done the dishes. And it'd be a little bit confusing looking because there were still dirty dishes. There are at least four soaking pots. You know the soaking pot people. <gasps> oh, some people were like, mm-hmm. And then all the wash dishes were just still sitting there. Now that I have my own kitchen, I understand the importance of finishing a job well. Okay? There is nothing left on the bench. But sometimes we can be like that where we take a hold of an opportunity, but we leave going, I know I could have done more. I know I could have offered prayer. I know I could have said, hey, do you need somewhere to stay? Hey, I I actually could have seen if they needed help with anything else or paid for something. And then we leave going, I wish I just did it. So why not just do it? Do everything you can till there's nothing left that you can do. That is what this man did. And you know what? That's what Jesus does in every single situation of our lives. And so it goes on to say this, which of these three, Jesus said, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. It is so important that as followers of Christ, we go and do likewise. When we see a need, there is something that stirs in our hearts to fill that need. The Bible says in James 1, to 25, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I've found myself frustrated sometimes by myself when I know that I can make a difference and I've heard God's word on something. And I just decide to pass by. I love the scripture. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. I want to tell you why I passed by this lady. And someone said to me in between services, they said, oh, you know, I've had the same thing. And I saw this and and then this happened. And I think have um, discernment with these situations If I had my baby in the car and I saw three uh, Billy men walking down the road, I probably wouldn't have the same feelings. So I have discernment. But when I saw this lady, there was something in me that I so knew this is God. This is God asking me to do something I'm not completely comfortable doing. And this is why in 2 Timothy 1.7, it says this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. In that moment, I knew what I had to do, right? But for some reason, all of a sudden, after having this thought of, I need to offer a ride, I felt sick. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, what if she thinks I'm weird? What if she rejects me? What if she yells at me? And so all of a sudden, all of this fear comes into our lives that wasn't there five seconds ago. Why does that happen? Well, simply because there is an enemy The devil is out there trying to stop us from doing everything that God is calling us to do. Do you know that the devil doesn't even mind if we come to church? 
He, he just doesn't care if we show up on a Sunday. If we show up every Sunday, he's like, great, you went to church. So what? But if we show up on a Sunday and he's like, whoa, they went to church. They heard the word and now they're doing it. That's where he gets scared. That's when he's like, oh my goodness, they're actually making a difference. Do you notice that it's every time we step out for God that we feel fear? Because instantly the enemy's like, oh, I'm going to put every bad situation that could possibly come out of them, stepping out of faith in their heads right now so they don't do this, so that there is no story, so that God can't move. We've got to learn to grab hold of these thoughts. Because maybe at work when you're like, I want to step out. I want to do the right thing. I want to be honest. I want to build people up. We might all of a sudden go, what if they make fun of me? What if I look like an idiot? What if no one wants to be my friend? All of a sudden these thoughts come in our head. God did not put those thoughts there. So if God's not putting them there, who's putting them there and why? And maybe they're doing it because we can really make a difference and God can really impact a life. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The band can come up. You know, when I look at Jesus, the greatest need that Jesus ever fulfilled was not turning water into wine. It was not the feeding of the 5,000. It wasn't even healing deaf, blind, or lame, or mute people. It was something that he did that people didn't even know he was doing. Like, for example, a lot of the times when people had physical needs and they came to Jesus, he would say something that I think the crowd would have been like, that's a little bit random. In fact, it even made some people angry. And there's a story in the Bible where a layman is brought to Jesus. And everyone can see that man wants to be healed. He wants to be able to walk. And Jesus' first words are not, stand up, walk. Jesus' first words are, your sins are forgiven. See, Jesus fulfills a greater need than sometimes we even realize a need that we don't always see. The greatest need Jesus ever fulfilled was the need to restore the relationship between a broken world and a loving God. And it was a need that nobody could fulfill but Jesus. I don't know about you, but in my life, I have found that sin is a pretty ugly thing. It brings shame, it brings guilt, it breaks relationships, it burdens us, it stops us from doing things we feel called to do. And that's just me speaking on my experience with it. I was definitely a Christian who at every second or third altar call put my hand up. That was me. Because every time I mucked up, I'm like, oh, got to sort that out with God. But you know what? It was always easier going to God and getting right with God than it was to tell my parents what was going on in my life. If you don't know who my parents are, my parents are Pastor Adam and Anita, the lead pastors here at Connect Church. And so when I was a younger, young adult, because I'm still quite young now, I remember doing some stupid things. They're so stupid that my parents are basically, and Carl, the only people that kind of know about these things. Because I'm like, oh, dumb, Grace. And the thing is, I wouldn't, 
muck up and then never do it again. Because that's what sin does, right? Sometimes it gets a hold of you and you think you've got it sorted and then you're silly again and again. And I remember understanding how much my parents were like Jesus simply from the way that they handled me every single time I mucked up. I love my relationship with my parents. I hope that I'm like them with our kids. A relationship where a kid can, no matter what's happened, always feel like I can talk to mom and dad about this and they're still going to love me and they're not gonna treat me any differently. Now, don't get me wrong. Whenever I went to them, they made it very clear I had mucked up. But the voice of love and the voice of forgiveness was much louder and much clearer. And I was like, oh, man, this is what God's love is like. Do you know that when people meet us, the way that we treat them should make people go, wow, why do they keep forgiving me? Why do they treat me so kindly? Why are they the only ones that are like this with me? Because there's got to be something different about us, right? If we follow God, we've got to respond differently. We've got to be the hands and feet of Jesus to a hurting world. And I remember even in this service years ago, after I had done something, told my parents, cried and cried because it was so embarrassing and I felt like a failure. I remember standing in the front row and I have no idea what the sermon was about. It would have been good, but I just have no memory. I remember standing there and crying, and I wasn't crying because I was sad. I wasn't like, oh, life is hard. I was crying because I was overwhelmed with joy. Because I was like, I can't believe Jesus loves me and keeps forgiving me. Like, I can't get it. But there's so much power in it that I was like, wow, this has changed something in me. You know, I didn't pick that lady up. And some of you may be like, oh, Pastor Grace, come on. You're a pastor, step it up. I definitely shocked people in the 9.30 a.m. service. A few faces were like, the second time that I said I turned right and I went to my group. But you know what? I'm human. And I always speak from something that I need to hear myself. And in the 9.30 service, Pastor Helen was singing, and I was like, wow, God's presence is so here. And I'm never going to forget this opportunity, by the way, that I passed by with this lady. I will never forget it. It will stick with me. And I remember sitting there, because it was only at 9.30 this morning, and I felt God on my heart say, Grace, I want you to get on your knees and worship me. And I was like, are you kidding me? right now I do not want to do that and straight away it started all these thoughts of how silly I would look and how people would be like oh look at her she's hardcore isn't she and then in my head I was thinking God um, here comes the excuses I'm pregnant what if I go down and I never come back up again <laughs> and all these things started and, I, and you know what else happened I, I all of a sudden remembered ah the lady do you want to build up like a stack load of opportunities missed? Or do you want to also have some stories you can tell? 
of where you grabbed a hold. So I pushed myself off the chair and I just fell down on my knees. And I was like, okay, I'm here. And I feel a little bit awkward, but I'm going to worship God. And it was really good. And it may not have been an opportunity where I was with someone else, but it was between me and God in that moment. Because those are opportunities too where we step out in faith, where maybe we don't feel like getting on our knees, but we need to. Where maybe we don't feel like raising our hands, but we need to. Where maybe we don't feel like praying, but we need to. And so I had a moment with God, and it was so good. And it was almost one of those moments where God's like, it's okay. I know you missed the lady, but you've got me right here right now. And I'm glad. And I'm proud. In life, it can look like there are a lot of things that we need lined up. We need God to fill. Like, I, I need my finances. Life's going to change and get better. If I get my marriage sorted, relationships sorted, I'll feel so much happier. Or, hey, if, if our kids, they, they come back to the Lord, I'll feel better. These are all things that, as people, we see if I get my degree, if I pass college or university, I'll, I'll be fine. Let me just tell you that, that I realized in that moment where I was crying with joy that the most powerful thing that I actually needed in my life, I had gotten. And that was the love of the Savior, and that was forgiveness. Forgiveness is a powerful thing that gets underestimated. And so what I want to do right now is I just want to pray with you. And I want to pray for two groups of people. I want to pray for people here today that maybe you need forgiveness in your life. Maybe there are things going on. And I'm going to pray with you here, but then I'm going to challenge you to do what I do. And let's go talk to someone. Because there's power in that. And then I want to pray for people who maybe you've never had a relationship with God. Or maybe you've fallen away and you want to restore that. So can you bow your heads and Close your eyes with me. Father God, I just want to thank you that you sent your son Jesus to do what none of us could do, to die on the cross for us. Thank you for your love, God, for your forgiveness. If you're in this room today and you're like, man, I really need to ask God for forgiveness. There are some things I'm struggling with right now. I just want you to, with everyone's eyes closed and every head bowed, just raise your hand where you are. I just want to pray with you. Awesome, I see that hand. That's great. Cool, I see that hand. Awesome. We're just going to pray with you guys. Father God, I thank you for those here today who are acknowledging that there's stuff going on in their life, Father God. I pray that today they would feel your presence and your grace and your mercy that is new every morning and your forgiveness, Father God, for what they have done. Give them courage, Father God, to talk to someone about it. And we pray that any holes that sin may have on them, Father God, we break those in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father God. Secondly, I want to pray for anyone here today that maybe you don't know God and you would like to have a relationship with Jesus or maybe you've fallen away from God and you need to come back. Well, I want to offer you this opportunity right now. And if that's you, you're like, man, I want to say yes to Jesus today. I want to make the physical decision to raise my hand and put into action what I'm feeling in my heart. Then on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Awesome. I see that hand. Cool. Is there anybody else? If you know 
that you need Jesus in your life. Just raise your hand. Awesome. Hey, we're going to pray all together as a family. And if that was you that raised your hand, pray with us. And just repeat after me. Father God, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. I ask right now for your forgiveness for my sins. Would you come into my life? Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, amen. Why don't we put our hands together for the person who put their hand up. That's so exciting. There are some pastors at the back who will give you a Bible and a little bit of information about the decision that you have made. But everybody else, can you stand to your feet, please? And just put your hands out like this. I'm just going to pronounce a blessing over you. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace.